0: Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Excited to have you here again, listening to another episode where you can learn best practices for your company, especially right now. uh, Many of you are getting out of or just still dealing with the aftermath of the COVID-19 challenge. And uh, many of you are doing it in many different ways, and I hope that this, uh, this podcast is a resource for you to learn how to do it better, smarter, and faster, and of course, as always, have, uh, be more proactive, productive, and make more profit in your business. And today, we have another professional on the line. I'm so excited when I get to talk to professionals. People actually have their hands in the gunk, right? Doing the stuff. Not just talking about it, but doing it. And today we have our professional interview with Dr. Matt Jossi. Your, I'm going to be polite and call him Yossi because of his heritage. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, we're excited to have you here. And many of our guests or our listeners know that I always ask them if they get anything out of this show and enjoy what they're listening to, please support it by sharing it with their friends or colleagues and, and subscribing to it as well. And we've been having a lot of great luck and benefit with people subscribing to it. So thanks for being a part of it and adding to the amazing content that we've been able to give to so many people.
1: Tell us a little bit about your story and where you're from. Yeah, so uh, originally from Texas, I uh, was an army brat. So that brought us to Virginia where I did uh, middle school, high school and college. And um, I had this circuitous path into dentistry where I first went into a grad program in neuroscience. Uh, Left that because I didn't wanna do research for the rest of my life. Came back, worked in the admissions office at William & Mary. Didn't wanna do admissions uh, for the rest of my life either. Looked for a way to try to marry science and helping people. And so I went on a dental mission trip and I thought, aha, this is it. This is my way to serve people for the rest of my life. And I just fell in love with dentistry. Um, So I went to dental school on an Air Force scholarship and uh, spent a couple years serving in the Air Force as a general dentist. Got out to do my ortho residency and was lucky enough that my wife and I could both find jobs uh, back in Williamsburg, Virginia, which is where I went to college. So we came back here. I was an associate for two years and then had an opportunity to purchase one of the practices where I associated. So oh wow. I that practice and um, here we are. So I'm now about a year and a half uh, into practice ownership myself. Um, and in Williamsburg, and we plan to be here for the rest of our lives. Wow, that's awesome. Where did you go on your mission trip? So the dental mission trip was in Southwest Virginia. Um, Most people don't know this about Virginia. but The exotic
0: location of Southwest Virginia.
1: (laughs) You can actually be in Virginia and be further west than Detroit, Michigan, and uh, so it was way out there. And it's a place that really is special to me because it's a place where I spent one of my college spring breaks fixing up houses, oh. where I obviously fell in love with dentistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a place where I've also uh, had to go and do some recruiting when I worked at William & Mary admissions. So um, the people of Southwest Virginia hold a special place in my heart, and I like to say that a lot of my major life decisions kind of went through Southwest Virginia.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. When you find a place like that that really connects with you and uh, you want to serve, that's that's yeah. really cool. Super happy about that. My well,
1: uh, won't let us that? move there. Though,
0: so, I'm sorry. What was that?
1: My wife will not let us move there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How far away is it from where you are? It's like nine hours. Oh wow. Okay. so it's a trip when you go it's like all right this is a trip we're doing yes wow that's awesome well today we want to talk about how to improve our patient experience inside of our practice and one of the areas that we want to always look at is how we can help our patients have that customer experience versus just customer service because everybody says they have customer service right there's not a practice out there that doesn't say yes we focus on customer service you have been at in the practice for a while now, but owning the practice for just a year and a half, I would love to find out what are some of the transitions and changes that you've had to make uh, to improve upon, not that anything was wrong before, but just improve and make your own as a practice owner. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are listening to this who are in that situation where they're trying to make that transition and own their practice, right? And let people uh, enroll into their vision and their expectations. So what are some of those changes that you've made and that you've seen as an improvement?
1: Yeah, Um, well, I mean, first of all, I would say that I didn't feel like I had to change a whole lot of that. Um, Number one, it was a good practice um, that I bought out, but also my attitude as an associate, and this is what I would encourage anybody coming out of dental school or residency is, is treat your associateship as if you're an owner, because ultimately that's how you're gonna learn about what it takes to be an owner. your patients appreciate it because that's how you're going to build your reputation um, is that if you're actually acting like you're the owner of that practice, they know, and they trust you. And so if you do actually become the owner uh, there's really not a transition to, Hey, who's this new new guy? And uh, why are things a little bit different? So they already knew me. um, They knew what I was about. And I, I mean, what I'm primarily about is just serving people. And so if I can put that on display, Um, as an associate and as an owner, um, and people see how much I care about them, uh, then that was what I was always doing, whether it was as an an associate or as an owner. So um, some of the changes just as an owner, I mean, I I just tried to focus on uh, taking a little bit more time to uh, to focus on the patient, Um, make appointments a little bit longer, Uh, maybe take the time to explain to parents what's going on, I really like for people to understand what's happening. I think it gives them some buy-in into the process. Um, They already trust you, but if they can explain it to a friend, then they're your salesperson, right? Um, And so that was one of the biggest things that I tried to focus on was just taking more time uh, with patients and with parents to explain what's going on.
0: I think that's really, really smart. Uh, First of all, I want to just highlight what you said there about as an associate. So often I hear from doctors about how do i find good associates how do i uh how do i make a good connection with them or or even some have the attitude of like well the associates just here for the meantime and they're going to go on do their thing because i'm not ready to sell my practice yet and no matter where you are as an associate if you have a student mindset but an ownership attitude that's going to change everything right being willing to learn from your owner from the from the person who's really showing you the ropes and Continue to like take ownership with it. I mean, how often are we trying to get our team members to have ownership with it? If you are an associate and you're in there, it's almost, um, it's almost uh, against the flow of things that the doctor is trying to get the team members to have ownership, but you as an associate aren't taking ownership. Uh, That's a big of a a challenge there. So I absolutely agree with that. And then secondly, man, just taking time, how many people because we're rushed, because we're busy, because we have a schedule, like forget that the number one thing we can give to our patients is our presence, especially in such a busy world, especially nowadays. I mean, this will be aired after most likely let's, you know, knock on wood that everybody's back at work again in some capacity, just because you're back at work and you want to make up that time that you've lost. Don't forget to take time and spend time with them and have that presence with them. That's, that's really important. Yeah. Where did you learn that
1: from? I, you know, I, I like to tell people, I feel like because we moved around a little bit as a, as a child, you know, I got to experience, I never grew up having the same doctor, or the same pediatrician or the same dentist. And mm. so I felt like as I went along the way, you know, again, I had no ambition of ever doing dentistry or becoming a doctor myself, yeah. But I always had this vision of like, what's the doctor that I would I would have wanted? And especially in dental school, I started to think about that. And I always had a little notebook where I jot down little things. And um, and so I've kind of become this like amalgamation of all the best things that I ever saw in doctors growing up, or all the things that I wanted. And at the end of the day, I just wanted somebody who would listen to me first and then care about me second. Right. And um, and so I think that listening piece is really important. Uh, as well. And so I like to, I like to carve out time in my consultations for that too, is, is really, especially for adults really try to listen, like, what are you here for? What do you want out of this? Because ultimately um, your expectations uh, and whether I meet them or don't meet them is it determines your experience and your satisfaction. Right.
0: Well, it also allows you to um, to decide if you can deliver that. Right. I, I, I say this often, I believe the most important question we can ask ourselves And ask others is, what do you want? Yeah. And as in sales, right, with TCs, it's one of the questions that I, I really ask them to ask over and over and over again and get clear on what the patient wants. Not straight teeth, not because my dentist said I should come, but what do you want? If I can find out what you want, then I can speak to the thing you want, not the thing that I think you should have. Yeah. I also can speak to the thing that you want and then show you how the thing I have can connect you with that and give that to you. But I also most importantly can decide if I'm not the fit for you. Right. When I sit across from doctors like yourself, or I'm doing a discovery session to see if I'm, you know, a a fit for what I do is a fit for their office. That's the thing I want to know most, right? Oh, you want to have somebody who can teach you how to create a really great schedule and, um, how to crunch your numbers so that you can get the best insurance collections. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> that's yeah. not what I do. So let me tell you, let me take it as someone else. Let me show you this other person who can do that. But too often, I think sometimes in business, we are so focused on, I just want to deliver. Who's my, who's my client? It's everybody. No, it's not. I want the people that I know I can deliver the best results for who are going to be an active participant in treatment with me, not that I'm having to pull them along you know? So yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, when you were making this transition, did you have any pushback from, or, or discover any people who weren't willing to get on that bus with you?
1: Definitely. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I took it personally at first. Mm. Um, and I realized even even though I knew that probably in every transition, you have team members who are going to leave or look for other opportunities. But for some reason, I still took it personally. And I took it as a just an opportunity to kind of do more introspection and realize, like, how can I be better? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better manager? And you know even though I tried to approach my associateship as an owner, I was still woefully unprepared for all the challenges of ownership. And there was still a ton of stuff that I had no idea about. And, um, and, and leadership of a team was, was still part of that. I mean, I felt like I've had lots of leadership opportunities through my life, but um, leading a team in a professional environment where you're treating patients, or maybe it's leading a team that's all women, uh, that was a unique, a unique one uh, for me, but it was a challenge and it still is a challenge. And, um, and I'm you know, constantly looking to get better on those things.
0: Yeah, uh you know something I'll I'll ask this question later on about schooling but um I f- still find it fascinating I know I'm beating a, a dead horse here but that they don't teach just simple classes on you know human connection and conversation and conflict resolution and hr conversations and especially and I don't care if you're the male doctor or female doctor dealing with primarily females there's a way that you need to understand how to communicate how to support one yeah. of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is docs you should be reading books like uh, Rachel Hollis and Brene Brown and have your team reading those so you can connect more and understand a little bit more of the the mindset that a lot of your team members are going through especially right now with a lot of the stress and challenges but it is something that you know no even if you're you're married you have how many kids three kids
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, how many of them are girls one just She's two. She just
0: turned two. So. Oh, okay. So she's not giving you too much teenage attitude yet. I thought they would be like, give me two more years. She'll, she'll be jumping <laughs> on that. Uh, but, you know, just even being married to someone of the opposite sex, it doesn't, it's not the same thing when they are employed by you. And uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic that you have to have to thread. How involved is your wife in your business with you?
1: So uh, it's funny that, you know, when you talk about trying to understand the female psyche and leading women, uh, my wife helps me a lot with that, right? Good. Uh, and uh, kind of messaging things. She's like, okay, you need to take that point and tone it a totally different tone. It differently, <laughs> and uh, that is the most valuable thing that my wife Probably brings to my practice, but she's not involved in the day to day operations. She's a full she has a full time job. She's a professor at at the college here. So oh wow, um, she doesn't have uh, bandwidth to do too much with the business. But
0: well, but even that uh, ability, I think it's it's very beneficial a lot of times to have someone to just stand on the outside who really cares about your good, cares about your company succeeding, obviously, but to be able to look at it from a different perspective to see what you can't see. To be, to say that, like you said, like,
1: no, you don't want to say
0: that like that. You, you like switch that up a little bit. Great. Your point is great. It doesn't come across great. <laughs> that, right. Exactly. I get what you're saying. They're not going to hear that. So yeah, totally agree. Uh, so let's talk about some of the uh, improvements that you've made, how you've improved that beyond the making sure you're taking the time, making sure you're, you're being present with people. Are there any other ways that you've really improved that patient experience or found that has helped them really connect with you.
1: Mm. Um, you know, I think I think it just starts with with uh, the first time you meet people and trying to get or trying to build that rapport, trying to get to know about them, have conversation pieces that you can bring up uh, when they come in. Hey, tell me about that game or tell me about that school play. Um, and I I suppose that that's hard to fake. I don't know i i actually do care about it i i like to go see plays that my kids perform in uh, or my my patients uh, perform in um but i just think it starts right there and um and and then you have that rapport built up Um, that and good communication really covers up for mistakes i mean we all make mistakes and sometimes you might get poked with an explorer or something like that but i think when you've built that relationship first and then you can come back and say, oh, look, I'm really sorry that this happened. We made a mistake. Uh, you're forgiven for that. So.
0: I think that's great. That radical transparency is something I talked about quite a bit, that you, when you make that a policy, it's, it's not only good for your patients, but for your team to see that it's okay to make a mistake as long as you're willing to learn from it and to grow from it. Um, when it comes to that connection with your patients, one of the things that we talked about before we got on the air was I was able to go through your website and I love that you focus on the about me part of understanding even just three things about me, you know, what you like, uh, who, who you like to be around and what charities you give to, who you like to serve. Those are really important areas that team not that patients need to understand team members as well. But patients need to understand the human side of you. Like what when people say the about me page, I mentioned this before, right? The About me page is typically the list of credentials or the the clubs that you belong to, which no one cares about and it's white noise. I actually think that designers of websites do that just to be able to say they did another page on your website, right? Because no one no one's going, "Oh, you went to this school. Okay, I'll, I must go to you because you went to that school. You have this degree. Sure, there are some people who are probably semi-loyal to that. But many of you orthodontists don't go, and dentists don't practice necessarily in the same place that you went to school. Right. So anyway, it's just one of those very interesting things. With your team members, uh, give me some legacy team members and, and how they've been able to make the transition because I know that there are doctors out there who have people. You said, that how long was the office and uh, practice before you came along? Yeah, it was like seven or eight years. Seven or eight years. Yeah. And so you had some people that are there for a long time. And then they transition with you, those are what I call the legacy team members, right They've been there for a while How was that shift for them, and what did they have to learn and grow into in order to serve the way you wanted them to serve?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question i actually, the legacy team members that are still with me today are the people that probably bought into my vision the most and bought mm-hmm. into this you know maybe more spend more time kind of vision um and so you know those are the people that have stayed with me and now it's really about trying to craft a team where everybody has buy in and i think it was probably um, a little naive of me to expect that people that i would inherit would buy into the same things that i was buying you know that i was trying to preach and trying to promote yeah. and um and so that's why people leave and now i understand that but um now i have the opportunity that hey, when I onboard somebody, make sure that you're in line with my core values. Make sure that you're in line with the way that people want to be treated. And so um, now it's about trying to craft, kind of craft that perfect team. And I still, I still will admit there's probably a naive part of me that thinks that, hey, these people are going to stay with me forever. And I got to get, <laughs> I got to get past that. Um, that I know that's not true, but um, I sure wish, I sure wish I could have one team that just stayed with me forever. Um, but uh yeah, it's, it's constant work to try to get people to buy into those values and, um, and, and be the workers that you want them to be. Right. Um, Yep. It's hard to find a whole team of perfect workers.
0: Well, I think uh, I talk about often the most important thing to do is have that vision and be able to enroll people into, into a vision that's relatable and retellable, right? You want to keep, create a fan base of first, the people that actually work with you every single day. And then the team members, it's like having a, a, professional football team being the coach of a professional football team or the owner of a professional football team and have team players who don't like your brand and don't like your team and are waiting to go to the next place and then once you have that then the fans will follow and be like yeah I want to be a part of this and I want to spread the word about your uh, your company but if you don't have them enrolled to that uh, they have to buy into that vision so let's talk a little bit about your vision and how you, how you actually express that vision, not only to your team members, but I'm assuming you do that as well to your patients.
1: Yeah, I'd, I think that's hard. I, I I think it's hard to say that verbally. Um, it's easier to demonstrate. And again, it probably goes back to that listening. I, I do know that um, I have a team that listens well also now. And um, and I think that we we get complimented on that regularly, how well hey I really appreciate that you guys listen to my concerns that you addressed my concerns specifically um, and so um, that's that's a way that we can build that patient experience and, and to try to customize uh, our treatment try to customize what we say a little bit to to who that patient is um, I realize that you know, there's value in building good systems right but there's also a place at which you have to break away from those systems and realize that every case is unique. And, and the more that we can treat people personally um, perhaps the better experience we can give them. And so I actually sometimes feel this tension of, of um, you know, maybe the expectation is, is that as an orthodontist that we should see X number of patients per day but also this idea that, Hey, if we have a really boutique practice and see fewer patients, we can deliver a much better product. And, um, and so, you know, there's this tension inside of me that is always trying to balance those two things. How can I create a system to scale those things up, but how can I maintain the, uh, the touch and kind of the, the personal feel that I want it to be? I think that's a really,
0: uh, understandable kind of, uh, uh, tug of war inside of you. I have talked to docs who have grown and scaled their businesses to multiple practices who have talked about that being the challenge of like, no, we, we still feel like we're a small boutique, but people don't see us that way. And I think it's important for you to create that sense of, Oh no, we can create now in the situation you're in as a more, uh, as a more intimate practice, to be able to grow with those solid foundations of your vision, of your values, of knowing this is the core of us. I often use the example of Walt Disney. You know, you go to Disneyland today, well, not today cause it's closed, but when they open up again <laughs> and you know, you still feel the spirit of Walt Disney there because he was able to infuse that vision and those values into his business. And that's the legacy that they choose to buy into every single day. You do the same thing. If you have one office or you have 20 offices, if you do it right, if you create the actual culture inside of it, then you're going to, you're going to do just fine. Um, I am uh, always interested in people who are kind of forward thinking. Now you started, well, you took other practice a year and a half ago. One of the things that I think that's great about having you on this show is that I always believe fresh eyes are the most, uh, there's fortune in the fresh eyes, if you will, because you're seeing things as a new business owner that maybe you didn't even see when you were there. And now that you, I, you know it's all on you, right? The is on your shoulders, but also you're able to look at stuff and go, how can I tweak that? Like what role, what's, un, what's an unwritten role that people have been doing in this industry that I don't really have to do? Well, one of the things that I have been talking about for the last two, three years is virtual consults and virtual trainings and stuff like that, uh, because I love them. I've been doing them since 2012. You do virtual training or virtual consults. Uh, that has been, when did you start infusing the idea of doing virtual consults inside of your
1: business? I mean, really, it was brought on by by this whole COVID-19 thing. Uh, okay. So you, I was prepared to do it beforehand. I had talked about... Uh, being willing to do it beforehand. Um, and, and, and I should be clear. I mean, primarily I've used it for existing patients. So nice well, we reached out and done virtual visits with, um, you know, something like 120 patients already. Nice. Uh, so I don't do that every day, but I try to carve out, you know, two days a week and I take the whole morning and just boom, 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 back to back virtual visits. And, um, I've loved it. I mean, it's a way to, to just maintain the relationship to just, talk to them and hear what what's going on in their world. Obviously not a whole lot's (laughs) going on in anybody's world right now. Um, but, um, but also to try to, um, keep our treatment moving forward. And so, um, it's been, it's been a huge blessing. And my hope is, is that more than more than anything else, it's been a practice builder just in terms of, um, showing people that we care and, 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 uh, reaching out to them. And it's um, one of the things that's amazed me the most is, is, um, let's take any patient, whether they're braces or Invisalign, and maybe they're wearing rubber bands. Um, we've often given people the option of, hey, do you want us to mail these rubber bands? Um, if I know where they live and it's kind of around where I'm gonna be going, I'll deliver them, or, or uh, would you like to come in and grab them? And almost without fail, people are like, I'd like to come in and get them myself. And it's like people are looking for an opportunity to get out and have more human connection. Sure. Um, so I think we're making that connection with the virtual visit, um, but, but that idea that they still want to come in and pick up things, even though we're willing to- I just want go- to
0: get in my car. I just want to drive somewhere. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so that's
1: kind of cool.
0: What do you think is going to be, because uh, one of the concerns that I can see out there is that here we're doing this almost out of necessity, right? Uh, I think it's actually a value add that we could have done before and now people are forced into doing it. And I, my hope is that we see this as a value add to the business after as well, that it's not just a necessity thing. What are you looking forward to transitioning when we do get back into the offices and stuff and, and kind of things go back to quote normal? What are you looking forward to keeping?
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to um, being able to still check in on people virtually if that's what they want. Um, And I'm wondering how we offer that to people, because I do think that a lot of people value the connection and value coming in uh, and seeing their doctor, but, um, but perhaps we, we probably always overvalue that and that's just the, the part of our, you know, egos. Um, So I I think continuing to do that, I think initially, of course, we're going to start out by seeing less patients. um, And so I think that's going to be a real taste of, hey, is seeing less patients at one time perhaps a a better way to practice? Um, So I'm kind of interested to see that. Um, And I'm particularly interested in ideas about how to keep treatment – like. how to basically see patients less frequently so you could go 10 12 weeks without seeing yep. them and know that your t- treatment is still progressing really well and that and some of that's the mechanics um but some of it is also being able to check in virtually and and just say oh yep looks good keep going with those rubber bands so
0: yeah i think that's absolutely true with things like invisalign and stuff like that when you're using uh, I think there's going to be more technology than this, but right now you've got the dental monitoring opportunity to be able to, you know, do that where you're not seeing somebody for 12 or 13 or 18 weeks, depending on where they are and their progress. I also think the value that we often need to remember when you were saying that it made me think of the, the Netflix and Blockbuster story, right? Netflix went to Blockbuster, offered to sell themselves to uh, Blockbuster for $20 million, which you know, Blockbuster laughed at them and said, nobody wants to watch TV from their room. And they felt like, and they, they actually said this in the boardroom along the lines of, we think people value coming to our stores because they might run into a neighbor when they're picking out a movie and that's a good social connection. Yeah. But what they didn't realize is that obviously is that people value more being able to sit at home in their underwear and pick a movie from their screen, right? From the remote control. Thus now Netflix is what $20 billion, you know, evaluation. So the the challenge that we have to really remember is what we are thinking is the value. It's kind of like, I don't, I, and I hope I'm not speaking out of school here because I don't know how you run your, your exams, but it's kind of like doctors who feel like they're the sales part. Like when they come in and do the show, then they're there that's when the sale is made yeah. instead of realizing it's the TC who has to be able to sell it. Um, the value that we need to always be thinking of is what's the value that my patients want, not what I think they want. Yeah. Uh, the Uber is successful, not because they're another taxi source. It's because they gave people the value of their time back to yeah. be, for people to go, Oh, I can choose when and where and how, and I know how much it's going to cost me and we're good. Awesome. Yeah, That's value of time.
1: The, um, the one thing that I've had a, a uh, a little bit of a difficulty getting over with the virtual consult is is not knowing when you're going to open. It seems a little disingenuous to me, and I'm not saying other people should feel this way, but it's felt a little disingenuous to say, "Okay, would you like to start?" I'm not really sure when that's going to happen, um, and so it's that last kind of closing piece. Mm-hmm. Nothing else about the virtual exam has felt weird or unusual to me, and so I do think it's going to be easily uh, kind of kept in our repertoire in the future. Um, it's just been that last piece about not knowing when you could actually see them or when you could actually perform that. And, and and I will say the other thing that I've done for a lot of our new patients is, is instead of, because I've had trouble reconciling that with myself, uh, rather than trying to set them up and trying to do all the virtual consultation is, you know what, I just took everybody. I recorded a one minute video that was personalized to their name, something we knew about them from information we had already gathered, and just said, "Hey, looking forward to seeing you soon," and attaching that as an email. And um, we cranked those out and sent them to every that's every client we had, and just got amazing feedback from them. So
0: yeah, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, I've I've recommended that to other people. Um, did you do that? You just did that regular uh, video? Did you use like bomb bomb or anything like that? Or did you just do regular video? I just
1: recorded on my iPhone, had the draft email ready to go and just attached it and sent it through my phone.
0: So smart. So smart. Uh, I I think I remember uh, probably about three, maybe two, three years ago, Dr. Uh, Bader out of Arizona, he decided to do that at night um, after every new patient exam. If they didn't start, he would do a one minute video that way just to to send a dad, right? Or to whoever wasn't there as a quick review. Uh, It's been brilliant. And that's a really smart way to keep connected with people. Out of everything, we want our patients just to remember that we are here for them, even in these challenging times. And look, who doesn't like to get a personalized video of them you know, from their doc, even if it's a minute long to say, hey, wow, they were thinking about me. That's really cool. That's customer service. That's really powerful. That's great. I'm so glad you you did that.
1: You said something really important. The pro tip is you keep your video under a minute, otherwise the attachment's too big to send.
0: Yes, yes, very much so. Well, that's why I mentioned also uh, as just a resource, com is a really cool uh, source to do that. It's dot com because it actually embeds a a GIF inside of the email so you can see the gif of the person waving or whatever and you click on it and it goes to the email and you can see when they opened it you can huh. see those kind of likes it's really cool um but yeah i just think any way we can connect with our patients more that way. so what would you say is the biggest challenge that you're facing as we're transitioning back into seeing patients again what do you th- what do you perceive as the biggest challenge
1: um so right now the biggest challenge is is um like probably many doctors my mind has been running uh, for a month and a half. And I I've got all these things that I'm ready to go on. And now it's now it's communicating those well to my team, getting them to buy in on them. Uh, yeah. I also think that this is a great, it's just a break point, And it's a great time to try some new things, not just virtual consults, but some different ways of doing things. And, um, you know, I'll give you one example that I'm, I'm nowhere near the leading edge in the orthodontic world on doing this, but that's, uh, using the scanner for every new patient. And um, so, you know, we've talked about that. We've flirted with it. We've tried it here and there, but actually implementing that, especially since we have a reduced patient flow um, and only one scanner, um, it's it's time. And so uh, it's time to break away from some of the old habits that we did just because we were too busy to ever try to implement something new. Uh, and now we can do it.
0: No, I think it's brilliant, and I'm a huge proponent of that. I'm a huge proponent of using the tools that you have in front of you. And obviously, there's a lot of benefits, one of them being that when you're in that consult room to be able to show people what the rendering is, even though it's not going to be the perfect way, people love to see the end result, not just guess about it. Um, Listen, I think if there's anything that comes out of this, I was doing a training, I want to say it was yesterday for the Arizona orthodontic group, maybe it was the day before yesterday. And uh, I started off by saying, I am so excited. This is such an awesome time we're in right now. And of course I got these kind of weird looks of people on the screen of like, do you know what time we're in? Like, what, what are you on? And I said, listen, we have all been in situations, doesn't matter if your business, my business, as business owners, where we went, man, if I only had the time to do that or yeah, I wanna do that, but I'll, I'll have to get to that later. We have someday on our calendar, and right now, we're living in someday. If there's ever been a better time to rewrite your ship, to patch the holes in your ship, to decide to do a completely different route, right? Like you said, there are certain things, of course, that we have to follow as guidelines, as business owners from the ADA, AO, all that stuff, right? So CDC, and as business owners, There's no have-tos when it comes to delivering the service you want to deliver. You can rewrite the entire thing. You just have to be willing to take the time right now to then go to the team and say, oh, okay, here's a new policy and procedure on X. This is how we're doing Y. And that could be everything from the way that we do our morning huddles, to our, you have a before and afters on your website, right? The smile reveals, like how are we going to do that? How are we going to engage on, on social media? How are we going to talk with our referring dentist? Everything, uh, I was on a webinar yesterday. Uh, I was listening to it as a, as a participant. It's a great guy named Dan Sullivan. He's actually out there on the East Coast. He is a, uh, he teaches some very high-end coaching programs. And he said, look, right now we're in a situation where if we were all playing Monopoly as business owners, right? And that's a, a good business game, Monopoly. We literally have gotten to a situation where now we get to not just play a new game, but we get to put all of the parts and pieces back in the box and then take out what serves us. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. So I totally agree with you. I think that's awesome. Um yeah. man I'm excited about that. You thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your journey too. We've come to the part in our show where we talk we do our five our, I'm sorry six questions that are rapid fire questions just answers from the top of your head. Are you willing to play? Let's do it. Awesome. What is the one thing you wish they would have taught you in school?
1: Uh accounting. Accounting, bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good thing you can hire that, huh? <laughs> yeah, but you got to know it because if you just outsource it and you don't understand it, it's not, it's worthless to you.
0: That's absolutely true. That's absolutely, that's a good one. Um, okay. What's a book that every private practice owner should be
1: reading? Ooh. Um, starts with wise is probably one of my go-tos. That's a great one. Simon Sinek. That's
0: awesome. I just recently reached out to him. I'm hoping he answers me back.
1: Please, Simon, call me.
0: I know I am. I because I'm reaching out to people like tonight. I have tonight on this recording. I have Cameron Harold coming on. I have uh, uh, Ron Clark from Move Your Bus. Um, I'm Not in yet. negotiation a conversation. I want to interview these authors and these business leaders for the orthodontic world, so that. They can start thinking a little more, um, not just in our silo of orthodontics, but as large business practices in general. So,
1: but I, I, I will also, you know, I don't know, I don't want to like, you know, hire and fire like a boss was a really good read recently for me. So, thank you. (laughs) It's so funny. thank you for saying that
0: i literally when you said higher product but i i my mind went who's that by oh me uh, i literally in my head was like oh yeah that's a good title oh that's me uh, say, thank you i appreciate
1: it. <laughs> that's really funny i i love that book oh uh, thank you what oh tell me why um you know i i okay going sequentially through it i really liked the job ad i because you know what I was like everybody else and I wrote job ads that looked just like everything else. And I, I read that couple pages and I scrapped everything that I had and just oh, read nice. it. And I am so, I am so excited. I was excited writing a job ad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was great. Uh, I really, and I have yet to implement this. Of course I haven't had a new employee. Uh, I just read it back in February, uh-huh. but, um, I really like the like the trial period and the idea about really gaining your buy-in. Um, like the, the idea that you gave about, Hey, here's, you know, $300 walk away with it or, or come back next week. I mean the buy-in that you get from that, uh, I, I just thought was awesome. And so it kind of really made me rethink our trial periods. Um, and, um, and then it, I think it, it gave me some confidence to, um, to just have the hard conversations. And this was something that I've learned uh, before the book, but it, it really reinforced that I just hadn't heard it from somebody else. Um, but you know what? Hard conversations at the end of the day are good for everybody. Mm-hmm. It leaves your employee with the, your expectations, um, clear expectations. It, it allows you to state them clearly and not have things pent up inside of you. Um, and, and ultimately, um your the other team members that are watching these situations unfold understand what's expected and what might happen and so i think that um it really empowered me to just be a little bit more direct and have some of the hard conversations um that it's really easy to just say you know what eh we'll talk about that another day but
0: oh that's great i'm probably use i'll probably cut this up and use that as a testimonial there but um i I know it sounds almost a little uh, woo-woo-y, but I believe that when you have those hard conversations, if you're doing it out of true love, then you're doing it out of true love.
1: That's right? in the book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're loving people, right? Like yeah. love them enough to have that conversation and be in integrity with yourself. And it's a lot. Amy Walker, uh, my vice president of sales and marketing, she would always say, you know, um, challenges un uh, how she says unresolved challenges never get smaller. Unresolved yeah. issues never get smaller, and this magnifies, so absolutely. Well, thank you for that. okay well, speaking of my other book, The Practice RX, uh, I focus on team culture and team performance as the foundation to business growth. When you're out there talking to your colleagues and you're thinking about yourself, what do you feel is the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams
1: and their culture? Um, I don't don't know. I won't speak for everybody, but for me, it's two things. Uh, First, first of all, it's how do you, um, sometimes you're looking at a team member and you're like, you know what, this person maybe isn't my long, this isn't my forever, you know, whatever. Um, But, they work right now and you can't just make wholesale changes. And so it's, it's kind of knowing the steps to take. How do I, how do I continue to build um, on somebody who probably isn't going to be with me forever because, because of me, I don't want them here forever Um, versus you can't just like, clean half your house all at once that that doesn't work either you can't in fact i think a lot of people say like you can't successfully train more than one person at a time yeah i tend to believe that that's true um so i think that that's i think that that's a major challenge um and then um uh, i forgot my other point but it was in there
0: but it'll it'll come to you through these other ones i'm sure yeah uh
1: so first of all
0: is there a way that uh, sorry last of all can is there a way that people can reach out to you and and connect with you
1: um, so my email address is Matt at Josie Family com. I will give out my cell phone to all my patients. So uh, you know, you can call the office, seven five seven two two nine four one eight one. And my cell is seven five seven eight seven six nine five nine three. And it's two O's and two S's. Yes. Yossi. Yossi. Josie.
0: All right. Uh what's the best advice that you've ever received in life or business?
1: I I think I think being honest, just be honest with yourself, be honest with people um, and, and uh, treat people the way that you would wanna be treated yourself.
0: What's that saying uh, around, uh, I'm gonna totally mess this up about, it's a lot easier to remember if you're just honest about everything.
1: That was something I learned when I was a teenager and I've held to it ever since. Yep, yes. never had to lie to cover up another lie.
0: Right makes your life a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, Lastly, what's the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice right now?
1: Word of mouth referral. That's what I want to build my practice on.
0: Smart. That's really smart. I believe the referral from referring dentists, how much I love dentists, I do. I think that's going to go away within the next five to 10 years. If not, I know many have already started, but referral, word of mouth, building that process, building that system is the smartest thing you can do in your business. I totally agree with you. That's the reason why I had you on the show because you're so smart because we think alike. (laughs) What is that confirmation bias?
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'll say this, and I would love to keep the conversation going with you further. One of the things that I, like, and what got me really intrigued about you was, is your approach is like the top down approach, right? Like it yeah. starts with building the leader and then that leader can build the culture. And I think that's a very different approach than a lot of uh, consultants who would say, you know what, I've done A, B, C, D and E and F roles in a practice, therefore I know it and I'm, but but they never were the doctor. Um, and and that, I'm not discounting their knowledge. They're no. very knowledgeable people, smarter than me, know a lot more than me. Um, but I'm really intrigued by this other way of looking at it and, um, and just kind of intrigued on like what the possibilities are there when it starts with me and flows down.
0: So. Well, I, I appreciate that because I think it's really easy for us to forget as business owners that we are the most important and valuable resource in our business. We, like me, I am in my business, you are in yours, because without you, then now that's not to say you're not replaceable, right? Like I talk about in my book, you're replaceable just like Steve jobs was. But right now as the owner of the business, as a COO, CEO, you have to be the person who takes care of yourself most. And you have to think sometimes like a business owner. There's, there's hard decisions that have to be made. And if you're really thinking top down, then it's easier to make those decisions. It's not less uh, uh, uncomfortable, it's not less um, of uh, a stretch for yourself, personality wise, but it definitely needs to be done because you're making it for yourself in the business for the long term. So, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, man, thank you for being on the show. You've been a wealth of knowledge, it's been a great conversation. I know people listening to this have, have got some fun laughs and some ahas. And, really, if we can, if anybody, if everybody's walking away with anything from the show, I hope that they see that the the theme was presence, right? Being there present and, and and giving your patients really the attention, especially right now. I, and I hate saying especially, right? It shouldn't take away from when we did it before. But if you were someone who's listening to the show and you can recognize and be humble enough to recognize that maybe you weren't as present as you could have been, maybe you uh, didn't focus as much on the conversations because you had another patient to get to out that was waiting in the chair for you, or you had a bunch of red lights going on on the, on the uh, schedule that you needed to get to. And so you weren't as patient or as present. Maybe this conversation helped you remember that again and to recognize that as we're going into this new world, the post COVID world that that's the focus that we should be looking at is how to be more present with everybody in your life, not just your patients, but your family, your, you know, your kids, your spouse, yourself. Like how many of us aren't present with ourselves and checking in on ourselves. So thank you for being a part of the show, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. Again, thank you for being a part of the Proponent podcast. As always, please share these episodes and all episodes with your friends and colleagues and Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can be alerted when we put new episodes out, which typically are every Tuesday and, uh, 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 every Tuesday and Thursday, I should say, as always here on the Propreneur podcast, our goal is to help you be more, uh, proactive, more productive, and more profitable in all areas of your life and business. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at Dino at DinoWatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.